If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. If you would like to follow along, there should be some black hardcover Bibles in the seat that you are sitting on somewhere, or you can grab one of the red ones. Don't grab a hymn book, because that, will, that won't lead you where we're going today. But if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. And if you've been following along in our Foundations reading plan, our plan to read through the New Testament this year, this was in our reading, I think, this past week, Mark 5. Um, this is two stories of healing, two miracles that Jesus does, and one really, really important principle that I want each of us to get, one very practical tool that we can apply to our life. A lot of times we come to church and we think it's just kind of words and metaphors and we think, oh, that sounded nice or that was a fun service. This is something I would love if everyone in this church would get this principle and apply it to your life. Scripture applies to our lives. That's why we study it. That's why we read it. So before I do that, a little bit of background. This is Jesus traveling around with his disciples and he's done enough miracles now that wherever he goes, the crowds are gathering. The sick people, the poor people are all gathering because they've seen Jesus do miracles. So everywhere he goes, he is performing miracles because there's crowds gathered around him. So we're going to start in chapter 5 of Mark, verse 21. And the words will be up on the screen. We're going to read a few verses here to start. Mark 5, 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her so that she would be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So that's where we start. This is the first of the situations, the first of the miracles. This is a man named Jairus. He is a synagogue leader, which means he is a prominent leader in the Jewish faith. If you've been following along at all, I've mentioned this a few times when we went through the story of Scripture, the religious leaders, the synagogue leaders, they were often the ones that were most opposed to Jesus. The Pharisees, the rulers, the religious leaders, these synagogue leaders. So that would have been the same group of people that Jairus is in. And how many of you know, how many of you know you can be opposed to all sorts of things in faith until you need something, until life falls apart? And then, so this guy, we have no reason to believe that he had opposed Jesus before, but he is one of these synagogue leaders. Not only a part of the group that opposes Jesus, but also kind of a high up in the culture. He would have been important. He would have been on the top shelf of society there, one of the synagogue religious leaders. But that's why it's so interesting that when he comes to Jesus, he pleads earnestly with Jesus. He falls at his feet as a sign of surrender and humility and honor. And he pleads with Jesus, acknowledging that Jesus is the source, acknowledging that Jesus is the answer. And Jesus agrees to go with Jairus to his house to lay his hands on his sick daughter who is dying. But because there's so many crowds, this makes it difficult. So it's not just Jairus and Jesus and the disciples. It's crowds everywhere. So you can imagine Jairus, his daughter is dying, and he's probably thinking, we need to move this along quickly, Jesus, please, if you could. And all, he can't get through the crowds of people. People are crowding around and pushing in. And while this happens, something else happens in verse 25. We'll continue on with the story there. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 
She heard the news about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answers, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and you will be freed from your suffering. That line there, your faith has healed you, jumped out. We're going to continue on in the story in a minute. But there's something really interesting um, when you do a little bit of studying about Jewish culture and study the original language that these scriptures were written in. When Jesus says, your faith has healed you, um, something interesting is happening there because rabbis or teachers, as Jesus was in that day, would wear robes or cloaks. And that's why the woman said, if I could just touch the hem of his cloak, then I would be healed. Well, what the rabbis would do as part of Levitical law in the Old Testament, they were instructed to wear these robes or these cloaks, and in the hem, they would sew in these tassels. So in the corners of the garment or the hems of the garment, they would sew these tassels in. And that was because God in the Old Testament had instructed them to do that. Now, we don't get the significance of this because of the language and the translation, but when those tassels are translated to English, the English word is wings. They would have been referred to as wings. So just imagine, you know, it's all in English, and they sew these tassels onto the corners of the garments, the rabbis do, and they are referred to as wings. And you're like, great. Uh, super interesting, okay? But there's a verse in Malachi in the Old Testament, and I can, I'm just going to read that, Malachi chapter 4, 2. This is the very end of the Old Testament when Israel has suffered so much, been in exile, and they have been promised that a Messiah would come. A Messiah would come and bring deliverance. And this is what the word says in Malachi 4, verse 2 in the Old Testament. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise. Again, talking about a Messiah that's coming. The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. Okay, I love several things about that verse. Leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. Have you ever seen a little video of those little baby cows that maybe they've been in a pen or something, all of a sudden they're set free and they can get out into the pasture and they just start jumping around awkwardly like, yay, this is awesome. What great imagery there. But that's not the point. Look at up there before that. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. When we read that in our culture... We just think kind of metaphor, kind of God's angel wings, like symbolic of his mighty power and shelter under his wings. And, but to a Jewish audience, they would have read that there's going to be healing in the tassels of his garment. This rabbi is going to come, and even in the very tassels of his garment, the wings of his garment, there's going to be healing. So for this woman, who had been suffering with bleeding for 12 years... This is not just her making a blind attempt at faith or at a miracle. This is a declaration of who she believes Jesus is. This is a declaration where she's saying, I've seen you, Jesus, and I believe you're the one 
that the Old Testament prophets were talking about. That's why she can say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, the, the tassels on the corner of his garment, there's healing there. That is her saying, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, the promised Messiah. That is a great statement of faith. That is a bold declaration of faith. And Jesus always responds to bold steps of faith. And that's why he says, your faith, because you believe that, has healed you. So this is all happening while poor Jairus is standing there waiting, like, Jesus, come on, <laughs> Jesus, my daughter is dying. Tick-tock, Jesus, let's go, let's go, let's make a move. If you could part the sea of these people, do some sort of a miracle, that would be great, because he is wanting Jesus to come to his house and heal his daughter. Imagine that situation. You need Jesus to come quickly, but yet he keeps getting distracted I'm sure Jairus was thinking, oh, man, I should be happy for this lady. She got her miracle, and yay, good for you. But all I really want is Jesus to come to my house because my daughter's about to die. We're going to continue the story in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, so right after this healing of the woman, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said this, your daughter is dead. They said, why why bother the teacher anymore? And overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, do not be afraid, just believe. We're going to stop there for a second. Do not be afraid, just believe. Do not be afraid, just believe. The people who came from Jairus' house, they said, their, their approach was, it's over. Why are you even bothering Jesus anymore? Your daughter has died too late. Sorry for the bad news. Jesus overhears this, and his words are those words highlighted there. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I want everyone to say, don't be afraid. Just believe. That is the whole point of today's sermon. That's the point of this story. That is a lesson for each of us because every day, every day, we're going to have a decision to approach our life circumstances with either fear or belief. To go through it and say, I'm afraid of this or I'm going to believe. This is, and this isn't even, you know, in our minds, if somebody's dead, you know, the story's over. And Jesus, in that situation, is saying, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. I was doing a little bit of study on those two words. When I read that earlier this week, those two words just jumped out. The difference, belief and fear, faith and being afraid. I did a little study on those. Again, this New Testament was written in a different language. So, And for the most part, you know, the words translate to what we expect them to do. Fear is being afraid. You know, belief is having faith or believing in something. But there was a definition that kind of stood out to me. And in talking about being afraid or fear, there was a definition that said to be persuaded to, to be put into fear, to have, in other words, to have something happen to you that causes you to fear. And so for all of us, we would think, well, yeah, that's how it works. I never choose to be afraid. I'm not like I'm waking up like, I think I'll put on the garment of fear today. No, we would say things happen and the reaction, the result is fear. It's not a choice. And we would say it's just that stuff happens that makes me afraid. But the same thing for the word believe or faith, there was the same wording in one of those definitions, to be persuaded to believe, to be put into belief, to have something happen to you that causes you to believe. And so what I got out of that this week is it is the same mechanism that's at work when something happens that pushes us forward. Life has a, ha- has a tendency of coming into us and saying, 
Now here's this circumstance. You're now being persuaded forward, and you're either going to fear or believe. You don't have a choice to stay where you were. Life is pushing you forward, and there's two roads in the woods, like an old Robert Frost poem. you got two choices to make, fear or belief. You will be pushed there. There will be circumstances that cause you to either fear or believe. Now this can, and, and I want all of us to train our minds. This is where the discipline of faith comes in. When we have that moment where we know we have to take a step to one of these paths, rather than to go down the road of fear, which we so often do, is to go down the road as Jesus taught Jairus that day. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Now this is not, you know, it can come across as kind of wishful thinking, kind of empty optimism, and maybe you hear that when you hear someone, a preacher talk about that. Maybe you've been around enough Christians that kind of have that don't, it's just, everything's going to work out okay. You know, that kind of blind optimism of they're not even really engaged in the situation. Uh, it's empty optimism. I just think everything's going to work out great. And the rest of the people around are like, you haven't even opened your eyes to the situation that we are in right now. But what Jesus is teaching us is anything but this kind of blind, empty optimism, right? Jesus is teaching his followers that good things come from belief, Good things come when we have faith. Good things come out of belief. One of the evidences of a mature spiritual life is when someone is faced with difficulties. They have learned. It's not just a a, a subconscious reaction. They have learned to step into faith instead of fear. They have learned to take that path of belief. That is one of the evidences of a mature spiritual life. And you've met people like that. I've met people like that. I want to be like people like that, where no matter what they face, they just have this confidence, this confidence that God is with me. I'm choosing to believe and to not fear. They have this ability when life persuades them, pushes them forward to take the path of faith, to take the path of believing in God, that God is with them. So what does this look like in your life today? We have several minutes left. I want to kind of dive into those two words, fear or belief. And maybe as you're here, maybe if you're writing notes, you could actually write this down. Or maybe just in your mind, you can just start thinking of a list. And if you're like me, the list of things to fear hits you at about 4 a.m. when something wakes you up in the middle of the night, right? So take that list that you've been thinking about at 4 a.m. and just think about it in your mind. Or even right now, think about the things that are persuading you, pushing you into fear. Okay, and you can even write those down. We're not going to, you know, share them at the end of service or anything like that. You don't have to turn them in in the offering. Um, Just make a list. Write them down or just in your head think about these things. Of things that are causing fear, uneasiness, uncertainty, things that you're worried about. These are the things that are pressing us towards fear. These are the things that are persuading us and pushing us. And where do we go? Do we choose fear or do we choose belief? Fear is... So often the anxiety that comes from fear, at least in my life, is the feeling of I'm on my own here. Like this is happening and i got to fix this myself. A very self-reliant. And if you're me and you know me and and me's the only source for a solution, of course you're going to be afraid, right? Oh man, i got to fix this and I have no idea what to do. It's a self-reliance that makes you feel like you're alone. 
that you have to solve this all by yourself, but you don't know how, which just adds to the anxiety, which adds to the sleepless nights. You feel as though you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. Have you ever felt that? Just, ah, I don't know about another day of facing this fear or this circumstance. It is weighing me down. Day after day, it is wearing me out. If you live in that long enough, it's going to have not only spiritual ramifications, it'll wear you out physically. There are physical, real ramifications of people that live in this weighed-down sense of fear and dread. That's why Jesus, I believe, taught so often, you don't have to be afraid. This is not new, abundant life to walk around heavy, laden, and downtrodden with the cares of this world. Fear will wear you out emotionally, physically, spiritually, There is real-life fruit that will begin to appear out of a life of fear, and we will see those things. Fear is hopelessness, thinking there's nothing that can be done. The words of of the family members of Jairus that came from the house, the hopelessness, don't even bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter has already died. That is a sense of non faith, a sense of fear. Nothing can be done now. It is hopeless. Fear leads us to be a bystander. In the things of God. Imagine the lady who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. I imagine everything in her probably would have had the thought of, why is today going to be any different? Jesus is right there. If he wanted to do a miracle, he could find me. I'm just going to sit here and just wait. If he wanted to do something, Jesus would find me. Maybe you have had that outlook in a situation in your life. If God wanted to do this, I've asked too many times. If God wanted to do something, he knows my number. He knows where to find me. That's what fear does. Leads you to a hopelessness. I'm just going to sit idly by and miss out on what Jesus is doing. What did, the, what did the woman do? She pressed through the crowds. What did, fear is leading us off the sidelines of our faith and of our life. Jesus is passing by and we say, I need to seek after him. That is what faith does. Fear leads us to be a bystander. Belief causes us to step forward in faith. Fear is always assuming a negative future. We play out a hundred different ways. Well, what if? What if this happens? What if this happens? And this affects every area of our life. We talked about this the last couple of weeks. Fear is one of the main things that guards how we use our finances. Fear also affects us in our careers, a step of faith. It's our security. It leads us to feeling insecure, that we're unsafe. Fear rules over us so often when we're thinking about our kids. Our kids go through stuff and we're like, God, what are we going to do about this situation what are we going to do about this? If you've got kids and you've been a parent for a long time, there's n- it's maybe a half hour is the longest stretch you can go without something happening in one of your kids' lives where you're like, oh, what are we going to do about that? Oh, that's right, we're dealing with this. And if you're living too many days in fear, and I've experienced this, as soon as you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, the sun is shining, as it sometimes does in Minnesota, and the birds are chirping, and it takes about three seconds before you can feel the weight of, oh, that's right, I'm dealing with this. Oh, that's right, this kid is struggling with this. Oh, that's right, I've had this conversation with the doctor. Oh, I have this bill that I don't know how to pay. And before you even set your feet on the ground getting out of bed, fear has kind of cloaked you and weighed you down for the day. This is what fear does. And we can all relate in our own personal ways to what that path looks like. But what about the other path that Jesus teaches us to take? The path of don't be afraid, but believe. Belief, faith. How do we do that? How do we do that? Some of you are like, I'd love to do that. Great. How do, how do I do that? After Jesus told Jairus in this story to not be afraid to b- but believe, what happened? They went back to his house. So they, they're there, Jesus and Jairus, 
His daughter had been sick, and Jairus had just been told, your daughter is dead. And now Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. And they start walking to Jairus' house. I imagined this week, what would that walk have been like? Like, really weird, right? Like, Jairus would be thinking, okay, Jesus is coming, but my daughter's already died. Like, am I... This feels awkward. You know, are we making small talk? How long was that walk? Like, was he thinking, I want to believe that Jesus is going to do something, but I don't want to get my hopes up, right? This is all these things that Jairus would have been thinking about during this walk. Imagine the conflict in his heart. I want to be positive. I want to have faith, but my kid has just died. Is Jesus going to do something? What if he doesn't and I get my hopes up for no reason? But I promise you, I promise you, that walk that Jairus took with Jesus that day was better because of his belief, right? He had a choice. He couldn't decide the outcome, but he had a choice. How am I going to approach these next steps in fear or in belief? There's just an assurance that comes when, we walking, when we're walking with Jesus, when we choose to believe in his goodness and his faithfulness, when we choose to have the hope of Christ in us that he can do the miraculous. So even the walk before the miracle is better when we choose faith, when we choose belief. There is a fruit that comes. There's an assurance that comes. Jesus is with me. And this is such a key thing. Even before you know how your situation is going to turn out, You can live with a sense of belief and faith. And what comes from that is just a peace. All the things we were carrying, all the weight we were feeling, there's a peace because Jesus is now walking with us. Jesus is now carrying those burdens. It's not not just about the end result of this story. And we know and we see that Jesus can do miracles and we've seen Jesus do miracles in our lives. But that's not, it's not just about the end result. It's about the journey along the way of living in faith. Amen, somebody? Living in faith, living in peace, this assurance that comes that Jesus is with us. It's those people that are in the midst of the storm and yet have joy. And we think, man, that is a great way to live, right? It's the people who in the midst of everything have a joy knowing, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know that God is with me. I know that the, the miracle worker is walking with me. I'm choosing to believe. What we do when we choose the path of belief is we take God, the God we were worshiping today, the God we say is good and loving and powerful and perfect in all his ways, the God who can deliver a breakthrough, to deliver a miracle. What we do is we take that God and we invite him into our circumstances. What Jairus did that day is he said, I've got a circumstance where my daughter has just died, but I am inserting the miracle-working God, and we're going to walk there, and I'm going to believe in his goodness, not even knowing how it's going to work out. We insert God into our circumstances, and then we can just surrender the weight of it. We can surrender the fear of it. We're walking, and we're deciding to believe instead of fear. And when fear comes into our mind, we can say, nope. I'm walking in faith. I am believing. I have given this to Jesus. He's walking right beside me through this, and he is going to carry that weight for me, and we'll be able to see the fruit of faith, just an assurance and a peace and a love, and we're not as angsty and short-tempered and foul all the time because we're not governed by fear. We're governed by belief that God is moving. Amen? And this is not... I've experienced this. If you've grown up in church, if you've grown up in church long enough, you experience some weird people, okay, right? We don't have a lot of weird people in our church. We might have one or two. They're not here today. I had to say that because you're probably like, I think it's you. Some of you are like, if you can't 
Here's, the tr- here's how you can decide. If you can't think about your church and know who the weird people are, you know what that means? You're the weird person. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not really. If you've been around church long enough, you can experience some weird things. One of the things I've experienced is kind of the, this idea of choosing belief over fear is more of a, it's kind of a name it, claim it, but it's al- almost like a denial. Like we refuse to even say, like, uh, that, that doesn't even, don't even say that word. Don't even say depression. That, I'm, not, I'm not even here. Like a toddler, when anybody ever been around a toddler, when you have to say something they don't want to hear, I can't remember which kid of ours it was, but when we would say something they didn't want to hear, it was just kind of a close their eyes and plug their ears, like, I'm not even, I'm not even acknowledging that you're saying that, you know. If I just deny that those words are even there, then I can't be held responsible for those things. We have this kind of closing our eyes and plugging our ears like, um, oh, no, 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 don't say that sickness, don't say that depression, don't say that thing, don't say that financially. No, I'm not even acknowledging. It's that what I'm talking about is not a blind, like, denial. We're not doing the Jedi mind trick on God. You know, I've, I've been around people who say, well, don't even, say, don't even say that. Don't even say that word because now it's, in the, now it's floating around out there. Like God, is, like God is up there thinking, what should I do? Oh, someone said depression. That's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that. Here you go. And it's that God doesn't work like that. Does that make sense? This is not just a blind like, oh, I'm not even... My, <laughs> my, my mom used to do this when I would say things as a teenager, which I'm sure were numerous times, but she didn't want to hear where I'd argue too much. She would just be like, I, I don't even, I can't even hear, I can't even hear what you're saying. It was kind of her defense mechanism to not acknowledge that something was in the world that was bad. What I'm saying is not that. It's not a, oh, I, I, I don't even believe, I don't even believe in a separated shoulder. You know, you're like, well, no, that, the x-rays say your shoulder's separated. This is not a, I'm, I'm just going to ignore it and it's going to go away. No, you, you walk through it, but you walk through it with faith. You don't deny its existence. You say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through this. I'm being persuaded forward. I'm being pushed forward. But I'm going to walk through in faith. And there's probably going to be some difficult seasons. But every step, whenever fear comes in, I'm going to say, no, I'm choosing faith. You could even just say those words that Jesus said. Do not be afraid. Just believe. Do not be afraid. Just believe. That's why I had you repeat it a couple of times. You could get used to saying that. When you wake up in the morning, when you're awake in the middle of the night, do not be afraid. Just believe. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to believe. I'm going to take the posture of faith. I'm going to take the posture of someone who believes that God is moving and walking with me. The ability to say that life is pushing me forward here, and I'm going to choose that path of faith. I'm going to choose the path of hope and, at, and being at peace because God is with me. So here's the rest of the story in the few minutes we have left. Verse 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, so Jesus and Jairus are walking there, they finally arrive at the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. This was part of their Jewish custom. When someone would die, there was like a, a period of days where it was crying and wailing and tearing clothes, and that was their, their ceremonial mourning. As this is happening, he went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Right, we would probably laugh. <laughs> I mean, it, the, we, we know the difference between a dead person and a sleeping person, Jesus. Thanks, but we already checked. You know, they're dead. So they laughed at him. But I love this, the next word. After he put them all out, so he basically told them, okay, all, I, I imagine that he said, okay, every one of you who just laughed right now, you got to leave. You don't get to witness what I'm about to do. I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what Jesus said. I don't want your, your path of fear in here. I'm gonna, you're not going to be able to witness what I'm about to do. 
After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in there where the child was, and he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old, and at this, they were completely astonished, of course, as we all would be. This is the miracle, but the choice to go down the path happened before that. The choice of Jairus to say, I'm going to believe and not fear, happened before that. God is working. God is moving. God loves you. God loves you. God's not trying to punish you. God is a loving, good father who is trying to guide you, to discipline you so that you'll grow stronger in your faith, to get you through seasons. It's not about, oh, God, could you please help me avoid any storm? God said, I never wanted to help you avoid all the storms. I want you to go through any storm with a, pa- with a posture of faith. God loves you. He wants you to grow in your faith. So this week, this is a very practical thing. I don't want this to be, oh, there was these cool words and church was great and now back to normal life. I want this to be something that all of us this week, when we are faced with something we are unsure, when we are faced in the, the fork in the road where we have to choose fear or belief, we say, you know what, I believe that God's with me. I believe that God's with me. I'm not going to be weighed down by fear. I'm going to walk confidently in faith. It's not about Jesus, fill me with faith, fill me with peace. It's Jesus saying, You decide to walk in faith, and you decide to walk in peace, and you'll see the fruit of that in your life. Not just passive optimism, but not just sitting there thinking, I'm just going to think happy thoughts. It is a moving forward, a defiant, confident faith in the goodness of God. Amen? In goodness of God, faith pushes us forward in good directions. Fear pushes us forward in the wrong directions. Faith pushes us forward in God's direction. And you're sitting here thinking today, yeah, I've heard it before. I've tried it before. What if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work out? What if the story was Jairus went home and his daughter stayed dead? What if you're, you're saying, I've done this. I've given this situation to God and nothing. You can relate to the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years after year 11, probably thinking, I guess I'm just dealing with this forever. I'm giving up. I'm giving up. You're probably thinking of a situation in your life where you're saying, I've tried that and nothing's changed. I've tried that. It's not working out. I've tried believing and I'm still in this mess. But do we believe that the, that the God we worship is the God of miracles? Do we believe that? Amen. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that? And that he responds to our faith and our belief? as he did with Jairus, as he did with the other woman? Do we believe that he responds to our faith and belief? So let's keep doing that. Let's keep doing that. And regardless of the results, the journey along the way is going to have so much greater fruit in our life when we choose to just believe. When we choose to believe, it's simply a choice that we have. You wake up tomorrow, you don't have a lot of choice on the circumstances that you're in. The only choice you have is, how am I going to approach this day? How am I going to approach this sickness, this need, this shortfall, this worry, this issue with my kids, this decision we have to make? How am I going to worry about that? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be belief? That's, that's the choice we have. I want us to learn how to say, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to believe. And as we wrap up, there's a, if you read on, if you followed along in our reading plan, you did. Um, the stories that follow that are right after that. The next chapter, I think, is, is the 5,000 people are fed. And they come and they're like, we've got 5,000 men and a, and a multitude of women and children as well. 
and we've got five loaves and two fish. And what does Jesus do? He takes what was given and he blesses it. He, and the word bless means to consecrate or to set apart for the things of God. And then they distribute it and there's enough. There's enough. The story after that, the disciples are in a boat. They're in a storm and they think the boat is going down. And Jesus starts walking on the water towards them. And his words, again, very similar to when he was talking to Jairus. Don't be afraid. It's me. I'm here. You don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. And the storm is calmed. I want our church, the people of Homestead Church, to collectively learn to take the path of faith. That's the lesson today. It's pretty simple. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Take the path of faith. See that fruit come alive in your life. Every day, the things on your list, in your mental list, or maybe you wrote them down, the things that you are fearful of, I'm choosing the path of faith instead of fear. Do not be afraid. Just believe. So today, we're going to, uh, as we wrap up and pray in just a minute, um, I want you to pray in faith for some of the things that you are facing. It might be um, maybe there's a healing that you need. And you can take the words of Malachi that we read earlier. The son of righteousness will rise and there's healing in his wings. The Messiah that we worship has healing in his hand. There is healing from his touch on your life. We're going to pray for that. And maybe it's something you've been praying for for years and the discouragement comes in. But what we're going to do today is we're going to reignite a posture of faith. And we're going to say, I'm going to pray in faith. I'm going to keep praying for this miracle. I'm going to keep praying for this healing. Perhaps you're dealing with a shortage of some sort, financial or anything else in your life. Just walk in obedience. What, what do we see in that story of the 5,000? Anything that has been set apart for God will always have enough. Even if it's five loaves and two fish, that's always going to be enough because God has set it apart. The economy of God works that he provides. Perhaps you're dealing with a shortage. We're going to pray in faith that he's going to provide. Maybe you're in a storm and Jesus, imagine him walking on the water of that storm. Imagine him walking through the worst of the storm in your life saying, don't be afraid, I'm here, I'm with you. We're going to walk through this together. We're going to get through this together, but don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. We have a friend uh, Christine, I have a friend who's a pastor in Stillwater. They just had a baby boy named Sullivan a couple of days ago. And Sullivan was born with, a, with quite a few health complications. And so he, Sullivan is, I think, in surgery, actually, probably right now. Um, just a number of things that the doctor's like, man, we got to go in here. And, you know, it's a, whenever you have a, a baby, you're just like, oh, man, I really don't want, you know, this new baby to have to go through this. As a parent, you can just feel like, oh, you feel the weight of that. But this morning, our friend posted on Facebook, he said, Sullivan's about to go into surgery. And he said these words, and I just thought, well, that's, that fits perfectly well. He just said, reminding ourselves that peace is not found in a situation, but peace is found in a person. We trust the Lord. We're reminding ourselves that peace is not found in a situation. And if you have a, a three-day-old baby going in for multiple surgeries, yeah, that's a rotten situation. That situation is not going to provide you with any peace. Peace is not found in a situation. And you can put the list of things that you wrote down or that you're thinking about today. Peace is not found in this. I'm not going to find peace in this and this. But peace is found in a person. The person of Jesus who walks with us as he walked with Jairus that day saying, don't be afraid, just believe. I'm with you. And we are going to take the posture of faith and believe that God's going to do amazing things. Amen? Let's stand together. We're going to pray. And we don't have any music playing or anything right now, but just in your, in your mind, the things that are weighing you down, just begin to apply those words of Jesus. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to believe. You can even just start 
going through the list in this situation, in this situation with our family, in our marriage, in our finances, in my career, the thing that I am fearful of here or here or here, don't be afraid, just believe. This is the God of miracles. This is the God who moves mightily. This is the God who is orchestrating circumstances and is ready to provide in ways that you can't even imagine. God, this is the God who walks with you and saying, I am going to see you through this. And the result, you have no idea what the result is going to be, but in the meantime, you're going to just have the fruit of a faith-filled life. You're going to grow and trust. And the anxiety is just going to start fading away and the fear is just going to start fading away because you take that path of belief. So whatever that situation is in your life, you might even want to just lift a hand to God, say, God, this hand signifies I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this to you. I don't want to carry this anymore. I'm laying down the things that burden me and that verse in Malachi, I'm now leaping like a young calf set out to pasture. I'm leaping for joy because the things that were weighing me down, I've just given to you and I just sense this new joy. And I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm believing in the God of miracles and I'm praying for a miracle. And every step between now and then, I know that God is with me. And that God loves me and that God is caring for me and God is providing for me because I am choosing to put my faith in him. So Jesus, we pray that truth over every situation that's represented here. I've got some. I know everyone here's got some. We're just lifting them up to you. And we want this to be something that's way more than just like a metaphor that we think of, oh, we trust God, but it is a practical thing that changes our hearts, that changes our relationships, that changes our outlook on things, that we could see the fruit of faith in our life. So we pray that, Lord. I'm praying for every need, for every sickness, for every shortfall, that you would move and bring healing and provision in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're praying for miracles today. I'm praying for the next few months as our church, this building process. I'm just praying that we would take the path where we just trust that you've got the right thing worked out, all the ups and downs in that. I'm praying for our kids through this summer, off of school, all the activities that they're going to be involved in. Above everything else, Lord, we want our kids to have a foundation of faith in you. We're praying for that. Difficulties that are weighing us down because our kids are struggling. We commit them into your care. You love our kids more than we do. And you know what they need more than we do. So we just pray and commit them into your care. Every situation, Lord, we are filled with faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.